0: So welcome to another edition of the Go With John Show. Today, we have with us Teresa Shudell. Welcome, Teresa.
1: Hi, John, it's great to be here today.
0: Great to have you. So Teresa, you're in the uh, title industry, but tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Okay, great. Um, I am a Virginia attorney and I'm also the regional Director of RGS Title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a company that is has a footprint of the entire Mid Atlantic area. Okay. Uh, I do um, settlements, and I'm based in McLean, Virginia. Right. Real estate settlements. Generally. Real estate settlements, right. uh, residential as well as commercial. Okay. And uh, so, what did you do
0: before you got into the uh, real estate industry?
1: Well, I've been in the real estate industry for a very long time. In fact, when I was at law school,
0: mm-hmm. I put
1: myself through by sitting at new homes in trailers for Long and Foster. Wow. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. So, so, I guess, tell us, so we're, we're here today to talk about easements yes. is, is the purpose of, of, our, of our discussion. And um, so give us a, a broad overview, I guess, what is an easement when it comes to real estate?
1: An easement is what we do is we do a title search. Mm-hmm. And when we do a title search, we see what is recorded in the land records for that property mm-hmm. and what is attached to the property. Mm-hmm. So, an easement that is recorded would be something like a utility easement, so that the property has a utility service. Right. Or it could be something that the Colonial Pipeline is running through and there's a recorded easement for that. Right. Or a common driveway, we hope, has a recorded easement. Right. And so, what we do is once we get the title search done, uh, a title report is done along with a title commitment mm-hmm. and it's an outline of what is attached to the property in the land records mm-hmm. so when a property is sold everything that's in the land records like an easement mm-hmm. goes along to the next buyer whether right. or not that buyer knows that it's on the property right so you said a lot of things there yes sorry <laughs> <laughs> no no you're yeah. fine so so
0: i so what is a title commitment mm-hmm. what is that?
1: Well a, a title search is done yes. and then a title commitment is like a title binder that uh, that shows the title insurance right or the for the title insurance for the lender's policy or right. the owner's policy okay so let's back up a second so what is a title search how does that work well, title search is where your settlement office, who is gonna conduct the closing, mm-hmm. sends an abstract or a title examiner. Right. It used to be to the courthouse, but now it can all be done online. Mm-hmm. And that title examiner searches the property, starting with the property address, and goes mm-hmm. back in time. In the land records. In the land records to yep. see what is recorded.
0: Right, so you start with a title search and then you get a title report yes. from the abstractor. That's correct. And then you get it. And now it's interesting. From So, so from my builder perspective, mm-hmm. I don't care about the title binder. And it's and it's funny when we when we uh, tell people how to go through the process and they're working with a title company that doesn't really understand what we're doing, we get title binders all the time. Mm -hmm. And as a builder, we want to see the title report Mm -hmm. so we can have an engineer review it for easements. So, so, so tell me again what the title, so you're going to get the title report. And then from a, from a real estate transactional perspective, Mm -hmm. when you're buying an existing home and you're not tearing it down and you're not building a new home, you are providing really a, you you want to provide a title commitment
1: to make sure what? Well, with a title commitment, that is the outline for us as the settlement office to see what needs to be done to pass on good and clear title to the purchaser. Right. So a title commitment would list if there's a mortgage on the property right. that the seller has or an mm-hmm. unreleased mortgage that should be taken care of, mm-hmm. an equity line that needs to be paid off for the seller. Mm-hmm. Um, it also show if there's IRS liens or judgments. Mm-hmm. It also contains easements. Right. Okay. Um, and that's... Right. So
0: in your prototypical real estate transaction, you're mainly looking at the financial liens that are tied to that property through the land records.
1: We're looking to see what needs to be done to pass on good and clear title uh, to the buyer Mm -hmm. and to make sure that the title insurance underwriter Mm -hmm. Let's say Chicago Title First American Fidelity is Mm -hmm. going to insure this property for the lender if there's a lender involved in the transaction Mm -hmm. and also for the the buyer for an owner's title insurance policy. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So now, so from from a builder perspective, so if somebody wants to tear down a house Mm -hmm. and build a new home, or if they're buying vacant land, Mm -hmm. what kind of easements have you seen? In uh, or, or what kind of
1: easement should the buyer be looking for? Well, what the buyer should ask for is to see a copy of the title binder, as well as all of the background documents. Just like you say, for your builders, you look mm. at the documents. Right. And the documents would show the easements, detailing what an easement is, having plats attached to that. Mm-hmm. And then that information, they will see what they can do or cannot do with their property. Right. Um, what we also recommend is if it's a feasibility study, mm-hmm. not only to request a title, a full title search. Right. It, And when I say that, I mean, going back 60 years.
0: So what are they, what do you prototypically
1: get if you're not doing a full title search? If you're not doing a full title search and we only do full title search in my office here, uh, you would get what is called a two owner search. Okay. So the title examiner for the settlement office is only going back two owners or two Mm -hmm. transactions. Mm -hmm. So that could be from, let's say 2019 was the last one prior to that was 2017. So you're not going back very, very far where the, interesting easements, I'll call them, are kind of hidden back sometimes in the 50s or the 60s when the property was a full farm. Right, 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 right. So so
0: what kind of easements uh, do you prototypically come across?
1: Uh, it matters where the property is, but if mm-hmm. it's, let's say it's going to be a transaction where someone's building on an acre, two acres, five acres, mm-hmm. we see such things as horse trail easements. Right. Uh, colonial pipeline easements. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I had in Great Falls was um, a landscape easement. Mm-hmm. So what could a landscape easement be? Mm-hmm. Well, what it was is the property was a farm, family owned it, they kind of split it up with all the brothers. Mm-hmm. One brother owned one lot, I'll call him brother one. Brother right. two owned the lot behind. Right. And brother number one got a full landscape easement on the brother two's property, which meant he could plant, it was put in writing, could plant sunflowers, corn, and anything he wanted on the whole width of the property and going back 100 feet. Mm-hmm. And what happened in that transaction was we notified the buyer about that. Right. And what happened was you couldn't see any easement being used at all. Right. Buyer said, it's okay, there's nothing there, it's never going to happen. Right. So what happens two years after settlement, brother number one starts planting the corn. Yep. It doesn't look pretty. Yep. Buyer very upset, buyer gets ready to sue his real estate agent. Right. Agent comes to me and says, thank goodness that you had the buyer sign off at closing, a copy of that easement and mm-hmm. gave him the title binder and he's walked away and he's not gonna sue me. Right. So that's things that we see. Right, so let's talk about the horse trail. So you yes. buy five
0: acres in Great mm-hmm. Falls
1: and you're sitting out on your
0: backyard mm-hmm. and you've been there for three years and there's a horse trail easement through your backyard. Yeah. What can happen?
1: Well, the horses and the riders can start walking through the property. And it's usually where we see this is at the very back of the property.
0: Mm -hmm. A lot of
1: times out in Great Falls, their fence is up. So it doesn't even look like you have a horse trail easement on your property. Right. And so you really need to know what's going to be going through your backyard, Mm -hmm. whether or not you're going to have to remove a portion of your fence Mm -hmm. so that the the horses and the riders can continue down the the track.
0: So another way to look at an easement is it's not really your property, that piece of your property that has a horse trail easement on it belongs to the horse riding club or whoever is filed the easement. Is that the right way to say um, it or?
1: I would look at it as um, someone has the right to use the property that you own and they have a special use that they can use it. And you, and you, can't you cannot stop them. stop them. Yeah, And the easement just doesn't go away because you don't want it there. Right. So it stays there. Because it's in the chain of title. Right, right, right. Okay.
0: So, so a lot of the things that we come across, we come across very often in Arlington and mm-hmm. Montgomery County, and and uh, I know you don't practice in Mount, yeah. in Maryland, mm-hmm. um, but we come across utility easements very often, which which uh, folks don't necessarily realize how they impact the buildability. Yes. So, if you have a fifty foot wide lot and you mm-hmm. have a ten foot utility easement, mm-hmm. whether there are any utilities
1: in that easement mm-hmm. or not, you cannot build into that easement that that's correct and we see a lot of problems like that where there might be a utility line where if you're going to put a a large home Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do that because of where the utility easement runs right uh when that happens there's some sometimes we see where people try to vacate that easement Mm -hmm. i mean take it away and change the location of the easement Mm -hmm. so the home could be built Mm -hmm. but that's a long process and sometimes it's not not able to do that right and i and i think what we're getting at
0: here is easements are very complicated Yes, They are very complicated and um, at Stanley Martin Custom Homes, we have a process to, to manage all that and, and I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But a lot of folks think you can look at a piece of property with your eyes and understand what it is. One, one of my most interesting cases that I ever came across was we had a, um, a, a, a buyer in Fairfax City mm-hmm. had bought a property that she intended to build on and she bought the home, but she wasn't gonna be able to build for a few years. So when she came to us four or five years after she bought the home and she'd been living in it, we noticed that her property was actually two separate parcels. And we asked her, we said, well, why is it two parcels? And she said, oh, well, at one point there was a railroad easement across the back of my property long, long, long time ago, mm-hmm. and the railroad never used it. So they eventually gave the the, the easement, the property back to the mm-hmm. owners, but it came back as a separate parcel. So... We went to Fairfax City with her, Mm -hmm. and it turns out that Fairfax City was gonna make her, they call it a subdivision process Mm -hmm. to actually assemble the two lots back together. And it took her about two years to go through this process to assemble the two lots together so it was now one lot, because if she hadn't done that, she would have only been able to build on the front uh, part of the lot. So I think that's one of my favorite stories because it's pretty easy to to understand. But do you have any stories of things that have happened to folks with easements that that
1: are interesting to you? Uh, if we could, if we could write a book or have a reality show of what we've seen, nobody would believe it. Yes. But, you know, we do see the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. One that comes to mind right away is what happened out in Great Falls. hmm. And I have to say, when I tell you these stories, it's not like it happens every day. I've done probably over 10,000 closings, so these are just like the, the bad ones. The one percenters. But, but most are really good because everyone does their homework right. all the way through. Right. And it sounds like you do as well, so right. thank you for doing that. Um, it was a situation where um, two houses next to each other in Great Falls, and the property that we were going to go to settlement on um, had a pool. Mm-hmm. And the buyers, very happily, wanted to get a survey done. Survey was done. And their pool was 10 feet over the property line onto the neighbor's property. Mm-hmm. And you say, how can that happen? Didn't the pool company have somebody check mm-hmm. and do a survey? And what had happened was the pool company did have a surveyor go out, mm-hmm. but the surveyor used the wrong rebar or corner markings. Right. And so it looked like it was on this property, but it was not. Mm. So everyone was up in arms like, how is this going to be resolved? Mm -hmm. And the buyer said, what's going to happen? Is someone going to chop up my pool? I'm buying this house for X amount because I want that pool. Worked out because the listing agent on the property where we're doing the settlement happened to be best friends with the mother of the owner next door. And the two mothers talked and the next door neighbor said, okay, this is what we'll do. We will give you an easement mm-hmm. for two years mm-hmm. to keep your pool there. We want to be released of all liability of whatever happens with this easement. Right. And then you need to move your pool. And the buyer said, okay, well, we want to enlarge the pool anyway. We agreed to it and went to closing.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. So nobody realized the pool was built no. into the neighbor's yard.
1: Because the surveying company used the wrong rebar that was cemented into the ground so we always like to find out why that happens like how can you miss something like that the rebar is the corners what happened was there was a rebar that was just put in the middle of the property as a site rebar Mm -hmm. not as a corner marking yeah what do they call that they call that a a a, a location location Yep. yep 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 that's crazy yep.
0: yeah you see those little location markers sometimes in the middle of a street a little mm-hmm. orange uh tag mm-hmm. and that's how the surveyor remembers where he set up yes. his uh, his gear yeah. to it mark the left, property line it
1: left there and that's what the pool <laughs> survey wow is.
0: wow that's crazy so what other information can you share with us on easements
1: it's, uh, as we were talking, it's always good to get a full title search. Mm-hmm. If you're getting ready to buy a home or have a feasibility study, yep. please do the feasibility study. Right. What I'm starting to see in this market, which is a very fast-moving market, mm-hmm. that we are seeing buyers put in contracts saying they want a feasibility study and they'll have it for 10 days. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a cooling off period where they don't know whether or not they want to buy the home or not. And they do nothing during the feasibility study. No survey, no full title search. They don't talk to a civil engineer or a builder. And then they decide, I want to buy this property. The feasibility study expires, Mm -hmm. they buy the property and then they realize they can't do what they want to do with a property. Right, I unfortunately meet a lot of people like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think another interesting
0: thing is uh, with a feasibility study, a lot of people will get a 45 days yes. feasibility mm-hmm. study. And then they call uh, me mm-hmm. and they say, oh, I have a property under contract. I've got a feasibility yeah. study. Can you help me get it done? Great. When does it expire? Yeah. Oh, I've got 10 days yeah. left. You know, And that's mm-hmm. really borderline not enough time to get a feasibility study. Because when we do a feasibility study, we have to get the full title report, which usually takes what? It, how long does it normally take you to get a full uh, title?
1: In, in this market, it's I'd say about a, a week or more. I mean, if needed, we could speed it up in twenty-four hours. Right. But you know, not only the title search, but you want to get a survey or have the engineering company go out and get the survey. Right. And with this market being so busy, mm-hmm. there's a lot of backlog.
0: Yeah, there is. So you know, in in a, in a cool market, mm-hmm. it would take three days, right? Yeah. To get a title search back or a title mm-hmm. report back. Now it's taken about a week. I a agree. Week, two weeks. Yeah. And then, then from a builder perspective, we want to get that full title mm-hmm. report over to an engineer, so an engineer can review mm-hmm. it. And the engineer may find something in there. I, I, I you know, maybe ninety percent of the time, nothing comes up. Maybe ten percent of the time, the engineer says, "Hey." There's some things in here that's kind of above my pay grade, and you mm-hmm. may want to have an attorney look at right. this. So then you have to have time to get it to an attorney and, mm-hmm. and have the attorney review it. So there's a lot of things that you need to do mm-hmm. with that title report, and it's nothing you can see. There's nothing uh, on the land that right. shows up at all. It's all in the legal documents behind that property. That's
1: that's true. Right. And you know, not only have the title work, but getting that survey, sometimes it's easier to see what's going on with mm-hmm. a blank property mm-hmm. where you see where the surveys are. Right. So what we do is when we get the title work in, if we know someone's going to get ready to buy a, a build or maybe put a pool in the backyard, mm-hmm. we always ask what are you going why do you want the survey? They say we're going to put a pool. So then we ask the surveyor to locate all of the easements on the property mm-hmm. to see if whether or not the pool can actually fit where the buyers want it to fit. Right. And um, that is not just a typical survey, that is an added survey um, service, right. but our surveyor will do that.
0: Right. Now I will I will say I absolutely agree that everybody should get a survey, mm-hmm. but I but I also know that a lot of our new home buyers mm-hmm. that want to build on vacant land, a lot of them don't want to spend the money up front because they're gonna, they're gonna have to pay for the survey when they get their grading mm-hmm. plan prepared and their 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 topography mm-hmm. survey when mm-hmm. you get all that. So a lot of times they'll push that off uh, until later. but best practice is absolutely to get a survey, but I know not everybody does. And, it.
1: and you're absolutely right. I'd say when someone's just taking raw land, they're going to build a home, they have a builder helping them. Mm-hmm. We usually say, who are you going to be using for that and have the civil engineers get involved and just mm-hmm. give them all the information instead of paying for two surveys. Because right. it's a waste. If, if, if it's a resale property, we can order the survey. We know what's going on. But when there's someone else involved, it's probably better to have it done one time right. with the civil engineers in that whole group. Right.
0: So at Stanley Martin Custom Homes, we would normally have the engineer who's doing and all the engineering review the title report, mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily prepare the survey up front, but right. they're looking at everything right. to, to, and they're going to notify us about any easements or other encumbrances mm-hmm. that might be in the way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a kind of like a, a half survey without actually going out and
1: doing the field yeah. work. And I look, at it, it's like that's a foundation because everything that is needed is right in the title search, whether or not you need to see it um, yep. on the survey is one thing, but when you have all that work, that's more than half. That's, that's a whole battle right? There.
0: And, I, and I would say, you know, for the folks listening, when you get a survey in your hand, the first thing I look for on a survey is a line that I see all the time. And it says, this survey was prepared without the benefit of a title report. Mm-hmm. And if you see that on a survey, that tells you right away that whatever easements are recorded on that property are probably not documented on
1: the survey. Th- that That is true, because what the surveyors normally do is they just go ahead and look at the recorded plat. Yes. And there can be a lot of, we call them hidden easements, yes. prior to that, after that. And so when we know and we ask, like, what are you using the survey for? Then we can assist by adding or having the surveyor add the uh, the easements on there. Right.
0: So it's really tricky. It's really yes. tricky. Yes. And you know, if you're working with professionals, you're in good hands, your real estate professional is gonna help you through this, your title company is mm-hmm. gonna help you through it. But the you know, I think the bottom line for the topic here on surveys is you really have to know what you're looking at. You really have to know uh, what documents were used when the survey was prepared. And if you see that line on a survey that says this mm-hmm. survey was prepared without the benefit of a title report, it's not really going to tell you if there are any easements uh, in the property. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: That That's fair to say, except for anything maybe like utilities that may have been recorded on on the pl- with the plat right but you're right to be on the safe side because once you're spending all this money to build a home you don't want to have something of as an easement in a place where you can't build mm-hmm. and we see that yeah we see that
0: yeah and I would add also even if you're not planning on building a home mm-hmm. you don't know when you sell that home one day mm-hmm. is some future buyer going to want to tear it down I think you should at least be aware mm-hmm. of what the parameters are within your within your
1: property Yes. And that will help you when you sell later. Because if you say, oh, I don't care that there's a horse trail easement in the backyard, mm-hmm. but then you try to sell the home and someone says, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind. Right, right, right. But, good. but the good news with the horse trail easements, they're usually at the very back right. in a country setting. And a lot of people want to have homes so they can just take the horses and ride the trail. Right. You may have a horse
0: yourself yeah. and you want to use the yeah. trail. Right. Yeah. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back more
0: with Teresa Shudell. All right, so we are back uh, with Teresa Shudell. Teresa, thank you again for coming in today. Really appreciate you taking time. Oh, I love
1: being here. Thank, thank you, John.
0: Thank you so much. So, so we're talking about easements today, and let's let's talk about a, a, a couple of other things that may come up. And I think, especially in Arlington, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about offline are the common driveways yes. that are very common in Arlington. So, what happens? And it, this is not exclusive to Arlington, right. so I just want to make sure I'm I'm, I'm clear there. So, okay. what happens when you have a uh, a driveway or a common driveway easement? How does that work?
1: Well, with a common driveway easement, it's like a shared driveway mm-hmm. where more than one property gets to use use the way the driveway right. to get in and out of their home. Right. Uh, where these common driveway easements, sometimes are easements. Uh, where they have like a maintenance agreement mm-hmm. so everybody who has the right to use that common driveway knows who's responsible for snow removal mm-hmm. uh re-asphalting the um the road mm-hmm. and how you maintain it mm-hmm. i will say in a lot of transactions we see there's common driveways on the plat right but with no explanation no recorded easement talking about how to maintain right and in those situations sometimes we hear of issues where there might be one neighbor of five on the driveway who says i'm not going to do anything Mm -hmm. you want to re-asphalt this or remove the snow the rest of you pay right so it's very good to know up front that you have a common driveway and Mm -hmm. normally as we're talking about whether or not you walk the property normally you can tell when you go to the property and you have to go five deep to get into your driveway, mm-hmm. that there is something shared there.
0: Yeah, and they're also called a pipe stem.
1: Pipe stem, yes. Very common pipe stem.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's when you have a public road, and then you have what looks like a driveway, and you go up this driveway, and there's four houses back
1: there. Yes, and that yeah. and that pipe stem or common driveway is, is a, private,
0: yes. a private roadway. Right. And so as a real estate professional, I've seen many of these over the years, and sometimes you come across one, That's just completely destroyed Mm -hmm. and falling apart, and that's usually because you have somebody that won't participate in the maintenance. So then everybody says, "Well, I'm not going to pay extra because this person's not paying." So that can be an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. So, so are the are the uh, common. So that's an easement. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then there's a document that you would get from the title report that would explain how that would
1: work. You, you, you hope, yeah. uh, because some of these um, older common driveways or pipe stems, there's nothing recorded. It's just on like when the subdivision was formed, yes. showing the public road and then showing the pipe stem right. and the shared driveway as we call it, right. but with no other verbiage of how it's maintained. A
0: maintenance agreement. So what you hope to find in the land records is some kind of a maintenance agreement that at least calls out what everybody's responsibility is. That's correct. right? And then if somebody doesn't pay, the rest of the folks can pay and then potentially lean the other party's home. That's correct. And then when that party sells their leaned home, that lien will come up in the title search.
1: And has to be paid off in order for that homeowner to sell the property. Right.
0: So that is a great example of how this whole thing works full circle. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. You know, another uh, interesting thing that comes up often, uh, Teresa, is that uh, the there are sometimes if you have water a creek or a stream or something like that in your backyard, uh, you could have an RPA easement. So that's another item that an engineer would discover. It may not necessarily be in the title search, but a good, well-qualified engineer will find that information uh, in the public records. So, so there are other, so another interesting easement that you came across one time. Tell me about what, what a builder did.
1: Oh, okay. Um, there was a situation where we did the title search mm-hmm. and an easement came up. And the easement was, I call it a swap easement, mm-hmm. where uh, property number one had an easement on that property mm-hmm. from property number two, where nothing could be built in the backyard of property number one. Mm -hmm. Property number two, also put up by the same builder, had an easement saying that nothing could be put up in their backyard. Right. So I asked the builder why. Mm -hmm. And the reason was, is that these were smaller lots Mm -hmm. and they wanted to have the people be able to look out their kitchen window in the back and not see a tennis court with lights on Mm -hmm. or a swimming pool for the neighbors and just keep it as an open space. Mm -hmm. So this builder decided this was the best way to have open space forever with a recorded easement.
0: Right, unless both parties agree to vacate the easements.
1: Yes. And, and to, if both parties agreed to vacate the easement, they of course would have to go to a real estate attorney right? because if there is a loan on the property, the lenders have to sign off, the lenders, trustees, yes. and it's a whole list of, of signatures that have to. We've already
0: agreed. That's a whole nother
1: episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: right. So I, I, I keep coming back to, you know, folks are looking at a house and they're walking through the house and they love the backyard and they mm-hmm. say, Oh my gosh, I'd love to put a pool out there mm-hmm. one day. And if you don't do the title search, and you don't have somebody review it, you would never know that was there. So if you just follow standard operating procedure and you're working with your real estate professional and you're working with a title company, you're gonna issue a title binder, but you're not gonna necessarily dig into that uh, easement and notify the seller would you or how would you handle that as uh, a standard operating as procedure standard
1: op- we see the title search we see the easements mm-hmm. um, the binder is given to the purchaser if they like to see it right but as the role as a settlement office our role is to go over the contract mm-hmm. and just make sure that all the terms are met uh, we don't then you know go to land use for fairfax county for a buyer or find a civil engineer for them right that that's something that they need to do on their own so it's very important for a buyer who's interested in doing something like this to have the best team available. Right, especially when you talk about the the builder and the civil engineer. Right, and and a survey.
0: Yeah, or even if you're not building, you know. So uh, yes. so I, th- I think to me that's where I think most people kind of get disappointed in life is because they think they've hired the right real estate professional, Mm -hmm. they get the title search, they've got the title binder, they go to settlement and then five years later they wanna put the pool in Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they realize there's this easement and they're like, why didn't anybody tell me? Mm -hmm. And I I would say there's a step kind of missing Mm -hmm. in that having somebody review that title report Mm -hmm. for you who is either a real estate attorney Mm -hmm. who you're hiring specifically to review the title report or have have an engineer prepare Mm -hmm. a plat With the benefit Mm -hmm. of a title report. A- absolutely. And, and I, th- I think that's probably the easiest way to go. I think doing your homework before you need to do the homework is the best thing to do. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So is there anything else you can think of that we should add to the conversation about easements that we haven't um, mentioned yet today?
1: Uh, I would say just know your property. And by knowing your property, get the best team together to help you. Go to the experts. Get mm-hmm. the title search done. Uh, let your settlement office know what you want to do with the property right. or what you plan on doing, thinking of doing in the future. Right. and then get the homework done, get all the title search done and have your good team.
0: Right. And I, and I would say if you're in doubt, you know, consult a real estate attorney and Absolutely. just run it by them. If, you know, I, th- I think a lot of folks buy a house and they're going to live in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just you, you get caught up in the excitement of the mm-hmm. transaction. Mm-hmm. There's a million things coming at you all at mm-hmm. once. I, I find a lot of people can't really think clearly because they're, they're grabbing, they're getting a lot of new information and a lot of new terminology that they've never had yeah. before and they get overwhelmed. And then and then unfortunately I meet way too many people that have bought a property that they can't do what what they want to do with it. So And, and
1: that's very disappointing. It Just is. surround yourselves with the best team you can get.
0: Absolutely. So in summary, from my perspective, and I'm, you know, Teresa's giving you this perspective of the global buying community, mm-hmm. my perspective obviously is is from building a new home we always advise people to get the full title report. Uh, if you're working with Stanley Martin Custom Homes, we're going to get that title report over to one of our engineers. Um, there are different levels of quality of engineers. So we only use really reputable firms. We want to have it reviewed to make sure you're protected before you buy the property. So, so Teresa, tell us a little bit about RGS Title. And I know you don't like making sales pitches. I know you well enough to know <laughs> that you know well I, I do know you. So, so, but tell us a little bit about RGS title and what makes your company so great.
1: Well, well thank you for giving me that opportunity. Sure. I'll go way back to when RGS title was, uh, was owned by uh, me and a number of partners. Yeah. And then uh, we, we did sell the company and the company now is owned. And I'm very happy to say we're part of the Berkshire Hathaway family. Mm-hmm. And so we have that strength behind us. Uh, We are in Mm -hmm. mid-Atlantic, a gigantic footprint. Mm -hmm. Uh, In uh, the Virginia area alone, we have over 20 offices. We're Mm. in Maryland, D.C., New Jersey, all the way down to uh, southwestern Virginia. Wow. Uh, So we pride ourselves on on doing the residential settlements. We do commercial settlements here, at least I do, out of the McLean office. Right. And uh, we're the largest privately owned company. Mm-hmm. So
0: so when folks work with RGS,
1: what kind of experience do they have? Well, with with, with my office, we feel that every transaction is our own. Mm-hmm. And my staff, most of my staff has been with me over 20 years, which is mm-hmm. a long time in this business, or really in any business. Yeah. And um, when we get a sales contract in, we see who the buyers are and the sellers. Mm-hmm. We contact their agents if they have agents. So mm-hmm. we contact them directly and say, what can we do for you? Um, Is it it an estate transaction? Are you going through a divorce for the sellers? What Mm -hmm. can we do to make this a good experience? And for the buyers, we ask, is this your first purchase? Mm -hmm. Um, How involved do you want us to be with you in in contacting you? Do you want us to just deal with your real estate agent? So every case is is its own case. Nothing ever gets boring. And we feel like we are the ones in the shoes of the sellers and the buyers. And we want this to be a very positive experience for everybody. Right.
0: So as a real estate professional, so I've I've, I've done a lot of real estate transactions (laughs) over the years. It's very typical for people to not even think about the title company. You know, I'm working with a buyer. Mm-hmm. We're driving around. And uh, I, I, w- when I used to work with buyers, mm-hmm. I would always go over the uh, sales contract with buyers. Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, we're going to have to choose a settlement company. And they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, well, which one do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would, I would say mm-hmm. RGS, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so the point that I would be trying to make with my buyers is that you want to do your research on the title company at the very beginning, because what's going to happen is you're going to get in a situation where you're writing a contract and you're not going to have time to start mm-hmm. calling title companies and finding out what their fees are. So people can call you in advance, right, and ask you how does the process work, how much do you charge? Well, I mean, what kind of information would you recommend that a prospective buyer would ask a title company?
1: I, I think John, you're absolutely right to do the homework before you need to have a title company. And so what we would do is we would walk through the process with the potential purchaser. Mm-hmm. We'd give our fees. We'd also give um, estimates for them so if they're looking at house prices let's say in this market right now it's it's a million dollars sure. to maybe a million point three with the escalation clauses, sure. giving them what the fees would be, the recording fees, so they have all their information up front. Because right. uh, you're right, um, no one has time to say, who am I going to go to settlement with when you're trying to negotiate a contract. Right. Uh, we've been in business for over 30 years, mm-hmm. so we do not disappear overnight, yeah. meaning we are here at all times, even after the transaction.
0: So one of the things that is going to happen for everybody who's out there mm-hmm. getting into a transaction. When you get a contract ratified, you are going to be, if you're building a new home, you're going to be in the middle of getting through your feasibility study. You're going to be reading title reports, talking to engineers. You're going to be talking to soil scientists. You're going to get all this stuff that you've never been through before, and you're not absolutely going to have time to figure out which title company you want to settle with. So it is really, really important, whether you're buying, even if you're buying a regular home that you're not tearing down, that you want to live in, now you're dealing with home inspections and appraisals and you're dealing with your lender. Trust me, your lender will make you nuts and you do not have time to research title companies. So I think for the folks listening, if you wanna learn more about the settlement process and the fees, I would absolutely recommend that you get in touch with uh, Teresa to learn more and do your shopping in advance. Mm -hmm. And if if you get a title company that has fees that are lower ask Teresa what's going on with Mm -hmm. these fees here with this title company Mm -hmm. maybe there's something what what would you do in a situation like that do you want me to edit that whole thing out or
1: no that's okay um we we like the opportunity to to work with all buyers and sellers and we just ask that they give us a call or even stop by to visit us we we do have potential buyers especially in the higher end brackets right they want to come by and say hello and Meet the staff. Meet me. See what the office looks like. Right. And so we we um, we love that opportunity, uh, or just a quick phone call. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're here to help. We we love what we do, and we'd like to work with with buyers and sellers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's the it's a very serious moment when you walk into the settlement room and you have to sit down and settle the transaction. Most of the time, the settlements go very smoothly. But if there's if there are any complications, you want to know who's going to be supporting you mm-hmm. and representing you and getting that problem
1: solved is that a fair way to say it yes is and we look at as um, if there are any problems they're all resolved prior to anybody coming to the settlement table okay Uh, we like settlements we call not boring but quiet because when we have agents real estate agents having to make phone calls or sellers leaving the room or buyers upset means no the job has not been done correctly right 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 so smooth smooth is good
0: smooth is good all right so how do how do we find you
1: uh, you can contact me. I can provide my information right now if you'd like. Sure. Uh, my, um, my email address is T-S-C-H-U-D-E-L at R-G-S-Title.com. That's for Teresa Shudell. Or feel free to give me a call at the office at seven zero three nine zero three ninety
0: six hundred. Yep. And when you call or contact Teresa, make sure you let her know that you heard her on the Go With John show. Yes, please do. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, Teresa, thank you so much for coming in today. Is there anything you want to add or are we solid?
1: I think we're great. Thank you. Okay,
0: So, Teresa, thank you for coming in today. We enjoyed having you. And this concludes another episode of the Go With John Show. Please go out there and build something extraordinary.